Good day, good evening, good night, good morning, and good afternoon. And welcome to another exciting episode of The Black Cauldron. This is episode number 28. And though you will not be hearing it on the day that we recorded, I just want to give a strong shout out to our girl from our sister podcast, Andrine. It's her birthday today. So whenever you listen to this, just send her a shout out and say happy belated birthday. She still accepts check. She would accept gifts. <laughs> And gift cards, and if you can send them to me, and I will make sure she gets them. And <laughs> she always accepts liquor. She will always accept liquor. That is, <laughs> if you're on show, ask her what some wine of choice, a vodka of choice, you know, whatever. Or just ask her what real size is, you know. Her gifts are my gifts. <laughs> Happy birthday, Andrea. Happy birthday, Andrea. <laughs> Happy sweet. Sweet 21. I won't say you're 16 because I said you're drinking, so it can't be sweet 16. You're forever 21. <laughs> All right. So before I go any further, let me go up for um, introduce my two co-hosts at the Mostuses. We have Professor Deb. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I've been listening to Christmas music, so I'm getting in the spirit. I know, I know Deb. Might I suggest, you know... You can go all over the place, but my tried and true favorite is Kathleen Battle and Frederica von Style at Carnegie Hall, where oh, okay. Kathleen Battle is over singing, or maybe Von Style Mike is too low. Who knows? But you know, when you have a duet and a duet want to be a solo, that's Kathleen. Oh, Battle. yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on those voices, just be like, I don't want to blend, okay? So there is that. Um, Jesse Norman. These are on YouTube. And, Jesse Norman, uh, I, I listened to. I I didn't, didn't know it. The, this is Christmas Tide. Yes, Christmas it's Tide. Amazing, I love it. Amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah. And so that was that was what I listened to all last Sunday after church, and um, it was wonderful. There is a performance with her doing like a, almost like a Christmas cycle. Um, a Christmas story narrative through songs and him um, in the Notre Dame de Paris, if I'm not mistaken, um, years ago in the 90s, because she was like, the French embraced this woman as if she was born in Paris. Yeah. They were like, they were, they can, I think the bicentennial um, revolution, they asked her to sing the national anthem, and she's just like, um, I'm not from Guadeloupe, you know, I'm from Georgia. So in case y'all are confused, <laughs> I'm not from like Cameroon or Senegal or one of those places. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we know you're American, but you know, like a friend of mine says, you know, she speaks French without an accent, and that is the greatest honor a uh, French people love. So you can do that, and of course, you know, these are the classic black opera divas, Leontine Price, Christmas, back in the day. You can you can't go wrong with those. You know, a little traditional, a little extra juice. Yes, yes. You know, underneath it. Plus, you know, there's all the other. I mean, I don't, I won't say, I don't want to drop any followers, but you know, a lot of the over popular Christmas tunes people love up here. I'm not a big fan, but. Oh, and Stevie Wonder's Motown Christmas is amazing. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I got black creds, people. Don't be playing me. Don't act like, you know, real zone into opera. I'm only and listening to Hamilton. <laughs> you would enjoy Stevie Wonder's Christmas album. <laughs> He's a well, little I, doing a little too much on Ave Maria, but it's Stevie Wonder. Who's gonna tell him stop? Who's gonna tell him stop? Nobody. <laughs> they won't even tell him to stop wearing that fucked up hairdo. Nope. Well, he can't. Okay. Anyway. Right. And 
<laughs> you can't tell him nothing. So moving on. <laughs> and we have Janina from far in Ohio. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm head over heels in love with Hamilton. That's been my entire week. I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and I'm going to keep enjoying it. Just, you know, Hamilton would not have been head over heels in love with you. Just so I don't care. I'm enjoying the musical. <laughs> I'm listening to the soundtrack daily, sometimes multiple times through, start to finish. But he's West Indian, so hey, might be related to me. Who knows? That's right. <laughs> if I bust out into song, forgive me. Uh, I wonder if they would. I went to a Harry. I think there is a Harry Potter the parody musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, parody musical is probably somewhere on YouTube. But I'm sure J.K. Rowling, when she wants even more cash, she's gonna come out with a Harry Potter musical. Ooh. It better be good. It will be a mess, but don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. If if I show you, if broad, if COVID didn't take Broadway out, it was coming to us here the next year. Anything to get people some money, get people, young people some money. And, of course, we have reels. So, ladies, we're in episode number 28. I feel like we're so, the books, book one feels so distant. And yet, it feels so close because some of the same issues keep coming up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, feel oh, like, yeah. oh my God, we've gone through this long journey. And we're not even finished with book seven. We're still in the middle. We're in the middle. So when we last spoke, oh, let me just say, um, I listened to episode number 25 or 26 when we discussed the ministry. We are so fucking good. I mean, I'm just putting <laughs> it on. I'm just putting it out here in the middle of the podcast. You know, this is the beginning. Just, we're really good. I mean, like it is so. <laughs> I actually just listened to that yesterday. I think I listened to it. Right. I highly recommend it. It was a great conversation. We always have great We talk about this in ways that I feel like nobody else does. <laughs> and that's probably because I don't listen to anybody else talk about it because I feel like we're the best. Should you? Why should you? I should I mean but I think I think that's what um what happens when you have um interacted with a, a piece of text a lot and when you have a chance to reflect on it. It takes you places and and your own life experiences right. mm-hmm. lets you see things differently um, when you engage with a text more than once. I mean, not every text can stand up to it, and um, this this series can, but I think that that's true. I'm, I'm not just saying because we're, you know, so clever, but I think we really do talk about this on a deeper level than... And I have listened to other podcasts. I have been to Harry Potter conferences and listened to people give lectures on various things. And I think we have a level of discourse about this text that's pretty unique. Hey, I like to hear it from Professor Deb. I'm telling you, Deb's been been in those rooms. Okay, so I have what been Deb in is... the room where it happened. I want to be where in the, the room where oh it happened. <laughs> I just like, what I was about to say is, can someone run us our check, please, our paper? Okay, we need to get in the bag. Okay, we need to be at the virtual conferences, but we still want to get the parents' feet, like you know, <laughs> right? We want to be featured speakers. Okay, oh, and don't worry, we will not mention the author because she's problematic and messy. <laughs> so we were at the point where 
Ron um Ron disappears. He leaves and the heroes are here and they went to Godric Hollow and they escaped death by a fingernail basically. Voldemort described like I reached out and almost could grab them. I mean, that was so I was like, oh my god. That was like crazy. They had to literally disappear in the middle of the air. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Yeah. You know, I don't even know if the movie could have done that right. You know, that whole scene and we come back and the hero, Harry's wand, the his own Phoenix wand is broken beyond repair. He and Hermione, if they if if they were if their relationship was strained with the absence of Ron, it's even much more it's more pregnant. It's more the air is much more preg, um, impregnated with pause, uh, like tension, and it's just it's a lot of things because Harry felt like every moment, everything that they've taken is the wrong turn. They have a whole crux which they cannot destroy. They don't know where to go next, and the and this and this whole crux is having a negative effect on them. And then Hermione brings up the Rita Skeeter book. But Reels, before you move on to that, you know, you said something about the first book seems so far away, um, but not really. Mm-hmm. And the whole issue with the wand is another is an example of that, because you know when he when when um, when he talks about you know when trying to make Hermione feel better because she takes she feels that somehow she's to blame about the the wand being broken. Um, he even says how the you know, the wand is as, only as good as the wizard. And remember that line when when um, Ollivander. Uh, Ollivander says the wand chooses the wizard. So you can see it echoing back to when he very when that wand first became a part of him, and when that was the moment where Harry becomes you know when he really does feel that he's a wizard. Well, he gets that wand. I just want to throw something out here now that you're saying that, um, Deb, because if we go back to the first book, um, the one I think perhaps became the, the, the buying of the wand experience was perhaps the thing that confirmed to him that he was a wizard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. These extraordinary odd things that were happening in the past were just odd and extraordinary things, right? Right. No explanation, right. you know, this big quote unquote oaf of a dude shows up this unusual character, um, the very but the only person who's ever been gen- somewhat kind to Harry are like known that him he was more than a waste of a space, right? I think Hagrid is the first person who considered Harry as a human being and, and Hagrid never treated Harry beyond a boy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like someone he genuinely cared for and, and we knew that from the baby when he was a baby. But the one, you know, the one had this, um, he had, he felt this rush of power, this connection. And Ollivander explained that this wand is even much more doubly connected to him because the wand has it as a twin. And the twin put that scar, that ever famous boy with the lightning bolt scar on his face. Mm-hmm. And now that thing is broken. And to some extent, I feel that Harry felt that he is broken. Yes. And he's beyond repair at this point. Yes. And to 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 put this to even it doesn't get any better because there is his hero, the one person who's always provided any answers. That you know, Harry has never really sought answers from anyone else in terms of like 
whatever is going on in his own psyche, psychology, and mind, except with Dumbledore, and that person is dead, and now he comes to find out this whole other crazy history of this man. And nothing, no one, the thing that nobody wants to accept or no one ever mentioned is that Dumbledore didn't lie about anything. You just never asked. He just never really shared. But you you are mad because of your own expectations of Dumbledore or what mm-hmm. your own belief that you're projecting onto Dumbledore. Dumbledore is a man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's one of those things that um, I think Voldemort would say. The fact that he fell off that rampart you know, he broke like a broken body. That proved he was just a man. I, on the other hand, Voldemort, I'm not a man. You know, I am an immortal. I'm beyond mere de- dead. So, you know, and I think that's a, a lot of things. He's 17. First time I'm going to invoke his age. And he's <laughs> dealing with a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I think this is this is a really stressful time. And, and Paul Hermione is there to manage the boys and their messy feelings you know like he doesn't know how to she's trying to cope she's trying to i don't i don't don't even know what she's trying to do at this point but she's trying to find she's just going to the books with some sort of answers and i found it surprising it's almost um there is almost a biblical religious um christian um allegory uh, connection with this thing that it is hermione is the one who's never doubted Dumbledore. She's the one who has defended... Um, she's not even like Elpheus Doge, because you would see later on, she says, whatever um, is wrong with her, that's not it. Whatever y'all assume it is. And she guessed rightly exactly what happened to Ariadne. Because, you know, unlike Harry, Hermione don't look for the cliff notes. Hermione's reading the whole text. <laughs> Harry just... <laughs> Harry just wants a little synopsis. You know what I mean? She does the reading. And and she's she too is trying to make sense out of nonsense in this moment. So this is a very um this is a moment where I think I, I think as adults we, we reading this can capture, understand exactly what's happening here. But I think in many ways J.K. Rowland failed to fully di- describe what's happening here to the to the players to the the characters and that's why i feel like sometimes when you read this book or in some places it feels like this moment is kind of stilted like it's like they're wondering and what's happening here but this is a moment which i think it required a sort of self-reflection and i think she didn't know or couldn't write for the characters within it you know they, they didn't know there's no one to help manage their feelings in this hermione Hermione would have been the character to, to to be able to do this, but I think you know Hermione isn't she isn't using Hermione effectively in this manner. But we as adults can look at this and be like, oh, I think this is more than likely what's happening here. And yeah, I think you're right uh, because not we we jokingly say Hermione always does the reading, but there's a little bit more to it than that. She does the reading and she does the understanding. Of how all of these things fit together. It's not just, you know, robotically doing the reading. She's also doing the comprehending when she does the reading. She's making the connections. She's connecting the dots. And so she would have been the character who could have been used to um, 
more fully explain what's going on. Well, I think we have to consider the fact that Hermione is a little bit broken right now, too. And maybe that's why this doesn't happen. I don't know so much that it's a failure um, of the writer. I, I didn't mind it because she's struggling also. Yeah, and and she is struggling, and 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 Reels is always quick to to remind us that nobody's dealing with with trauma, and we have to recognize that Hermione, who was very close to her parents, she has also had a great deal of loss, mm-hmm. um, and and unlike Harry, this was a loss that she had to choose. She had to choose to cut off from her parents for their safety, but also that she so she could go on this mission. And she chose so, to not go with Ron because Ron right. offered her so, the choice. And so, you know, she really had, and most of the time her choices are, are really, they're devastating, you know, one way or the other, which is the, which is the, especially the one with Ron. And so I think that, you know, she never gets to deal with what she has given up in order to do this, in order to be a part of, 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 of the mission. So, in addition to doing the reading, doing the comprehending, doing all of these things, she's working, as, as you said, Janina, she's also broken. She's also dealing with a lot of things that um, nobody's going to put the spotlight on because there's Hermione. She's always dependable. She's mm-hmm. always managing. And that's the role that she plays in their friendship. And, and of course, you know, only, only, only Harry alone is allowed to be angry. Only Harry gets to be righteously angry, right? Yeah. Like he, yeah. everyone else get to be the, their anger is seen as how we've de- dealt with Ron as being overbearing, spoiled, and bratty. Yeah, yeah. So Hermione's it's almost seen as being irrational, like over the top, like oh my god, yeah, girl, a hysterical like, woman. He's a hysterical woman, mm-hmm. and you know, and Harry is the only one allowed to in spaces to shout them down and for them to come calming down and listen to what he's saying. His anger, his frustration gets put on display and, and, and get out. And I, I, you know how I feel about this kind of issue. But I, I, why I mentioned the failure bit, it's because in many ways, the books, one of the things that I would say that one of the big, I guess, lacking thing about this book for me is that in all the other books, there is a progression of emotional intelligence, a uh, development, I should say, rather. That was the unique thing about the book that first captured me, the books, is that typically in children literature, the children stay the same. Mm-hmm. They age, they don't really, they didn't, well, first of all, you typically don't have such a rich um, series like this. Someone who's doing right. like real masterful world building and it's not a fantasy world. This is almost set up like this is a real world because there's real world parallel in whatever the case may be. But um, because he keeps going back and in and he's aging, we see the we see puberty on display, we see acne on display, we see, you know what I mean? We right, see the right. growing pains. And yet in the seventh book, it just doesn't really happen. But but real I'm gonna push back on you on that. You know okay. why? Because mm-hmm. I think that that is probably more in, um, indicative of what adolescence is really like. It is not a continuous arc forward um it is it is some regression it is some that there are some you 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 make two steps forward you might make two steps back and then you have to make 
three steps in order to actually regroup okay. the ground that you cover. That's what adolescence is. And I think, and, and when you throw in complications in adolescence, you know, like, like what has happened with, with Harry and, and, and the, the others in the trio, there is some measure of confusion and uncertainty. You don't have, I mean, that happens in adult life, but it certainly happens in adolescence that it's not just a straightforward thing. I think there is growth, but there's, but this period right here, this is their wilderness experience. You know, you mentioned the Christian, um, you know, kind of allegory. There are lots of Christian uh, uh, connections and, and references in this book. This is their wilderness experience. So they are wandering, they are um, uncertain, they are, um, kind of flailing about because they haven't had that moment of clarity where uh, that's going to come later. But right now they're grasping. They don't have all the answers. They're not even sure they even have the right questions. And we're going to see that they didn't have the right questions. Mm -hmm. So I think that that part it would have, you know, Hermione could have been used more for more explanation and all of, and letting us understand things a little bit more of what's going on with them. But I think that tone, that part is probably more indicative of adolescence, that confusion, that um, regression of emotional understanding and emotional growth. So I kind of think that's right. I think she kind of hits that nail on the head. And it's uncomfortable as a reader because it does feel like, well, where are they going? What are they doing? Mm -hmm. And I think that's deliberate. And it's different from what we've seen. It's different from what we've seen where everything is like seen through a, a, a level of clarity and understanding, even if there are difficulties. But I think here, this is the, this is the more, this is closer to the reality of, of you having teenagers having to solve and try to save the world. But this is, um, I, you're, you're right. I, I am perhaps, you know, too harsh on them. And, and I'm perhaps looking for too perfect of a development. And, you know, but, and development, as you say, you're quite right, is that it's never straightforward. It's never in a neat, you know, trajectory. You don't move from point A to point B, you know, um, arithmetically you know sometimes there's exponential growth and sometimes there is exponential regression <laughs> you know right. so right. Right. there this is um, a linear sorry there's, there's not i'm expecting linear progression but there's also exponential progression and and they have been on a track of a huge exponential progression and perhaps it's it, it's become too much for them at this point really and you know they're just going back and they're regressing back to like mm -hmm. base instincts so you know, you're right about that and before i get into the rita skeeta um bit of the book we have ignored the man of the hour and lord voldemort will not appreciate that at all that is not <laughs> he likes to constantly i mean i have to say this man is have you i mean like when you really consider this man this man always have problems. Like, sir, you need to see a therapist. I don't know who this therapist would be, but he's always, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I mean, they have tried to get him a therapist since he was a child, and he's just like, no. I'm not sick in the head. It's there, sick in the head. Me, she wants me looked at. Yeah. <laughs> As if you were an animal. Right. <laughs> but, you know, there are things, you know, uh, I think you described it there. Lord Voldemort has certain questions. And, you know, there's certain questions in my mind that that scene with him and Snape that would come up forward. I mean, I just I just got to say, you know, like, and Tony Morrison say he dressing up evil. This man deliver some Shakespearean lines. Like he is, he's in his full element. You can see he really thinks he's the cleverest thing that has ever fallen off of a tree. Mm-hmm. Like he just thinks he is the sun, the moon, the star, the whole solar system. It's just him. And you people are just insignificant and just here for the hour. And at his choosing. But he has a problem, always on an issue, always on a hunt. And, you know, it's funny Dumbledore says something like, you know, like, he doesn't change. He's the same way. He is pig-headed about something, and, you know, he doesn't consider anything else. So he is bothered by the fact that he couldn't beat Harry as a baby. He couldn't, I don't think he even considered the fact that when he tries to touch him, well, he realized that. He realized that happened when he tried in the first year at school, mm-hmm. that the old magic was really in effect. That was, in fact, what happened. And that curse, you know, that delivered him that heavy blow. And he's back in that serious agony and pain. And and he tries to possess him in book five. Didn't happen. Tries to kill him in the graveyard. And then this spectacular um, priori incantatum happened. And he is all a fluster. He figured, let me get another wand. And, you know, let's happen. And then this... Magic that he doesn't even he isn't even aware of because he's clearly a clever clever wizard and he couldn't even counter that spell, and it's broken. So he's like he is on a war path now, and he decides to. It seems as if he's seeking a new wand, and in seeking so he has to go abroad, and there is a there seems to be a barrier to how magic you can apparate and disapparate basically there's a distance limit <laughs> you can't disapparate in france and then appear in australia <laughs> you'd have to do <laughs> you'd have to do layovers <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to get to like what azerbaijan <laughs> and then you know maybe in the middle of the sea and then you know try it again but even that can be exhausting because I think um, you might splice your body as happened as we know with that, that guy who fell in the cupboard, that it can actually drain you and almost kill you if you get this apparition wrong and get stuck in the middle of dimensions. Um, that guy who they pushed in, who um, Fred and George pushed in the closet, he was complaining about that issue, though he didn't quite understand that was what was happening. Um, but... So he goes abroad and he goes to Olivant. He goes to Grigorovich. Well, he goes to Grigorovich's family. And it seems as if, it doesn't explain it here, but did you get the sense that Grigorovich understood what was going to happen? Because the one business, because Olivanda disappeared. And I think by now, these, these Death Eaters, I don't know what they've been doing mostly of the time, but they're a bunch of gossip queens. They be spreading the man's business. No wonder this man don't tell them shit. Because <laughs> they run them out like rivers. So 
they run them out. So I think it, it's a way for people in the know. Maybe they didn't understand exactly what happened in the graveyard, but the people in the know understood what happened in the graveyard because I know for one, Ollivander was extremely intrigued by what happened in the graveyard because he he tells Harry what has happened for you and this man. This is beyond what we even knew as wand makers that these things can happen because that whole behavior because he came back from the flight when they had the fight in the sky he came back really pissed because they all understood that the borrowed one was supposed to work and Voldemort isn't getting a gun I mean like Voldemort it would have worked in the sky a gun would have worked because y'all are not in the presence of magic y'all are not in a magical realm right it, it, it can't work at Hogwarts but in the sky over London Trust me, a semi-automatic would have got the job done. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> this is not what they're trained on. Voldemort, welcome to the Matrix, okay? If you had tapped into the Matrix, you would have known how to use a semi-automatic in no time. Flat. But We've already established that Voldemort does not believe that he is ever wrong. So well, it's always somebody else's fault if something doesn't work. Well, boo, whether whether you're acknowledging the wrongness, it's I still know. wrong. It's still wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but, but we're also talking about the choices that he's making um, about whether how he's going to take Harry out. And every time he has been less than successful, he blames it on something else other than his own plan or his own choice and how he's going to carry out his plan. But could you imagine the rage and the... Like, I could imagine he was just absolutely beside himself. I mean, the graveyard thing, he's just like, oops, well, I wouldn't have known about the twin cores, right? right. I would have assumed that, you know, I didn't even know. And, and as a matter of fact, once I had found out that one was... um, What's his name? Feather? Um, Voldemort Dumbledore's oh, Phoenix, Phoenix Feather. Yeah. I wouldn't want this one. I'll pick another one. What's wrong with you, sir? Like, you literally... Well, you don't you get have... to pick another one. That's just it. Remember, the wand chooses the wizard. Yes, but you can actually... We actually find out you can pick another wand. Yeah, you can, you can grab well, another wand. You can get another wand, but whether or not you're going to have that same relationship with that wand or not is going to be an issue. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into further down the road, but when Harry has another wand it works for him he's able to 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 do things with the the wand that he that he takes off of draco but but then again harry doesn't perform extraordinary magic so maybe voldemort you have a point okay okay <laughs> harry's just you know it's harry and this is probably what sets voldemort on that quest to have the elder wand right mm -hmm. but at this point that is a word that we do not know Right, we don't right. know anything. We, we, don't, we still know. don't know we, what a Deathly Hallow is. Right, but but we know he is looking for a wand that right. that we can get. But why okay. I mentioned Gogorovich may have known because Gogorovich and his family are in two different places. So Gogorovich goes into hiding. Right, because he suspects what is going to happen at this yes. point. I never considered that honestly. I mean, it's a it's a good theory, but I I never considered it. Because the wife and children, because immediately when the, he comes across the threshold, the wife says to him, he's not here. 
Um, he's not here, you know, like, I don't know where he is. He's not here. And then he's like, he look, you realize she's telling the truth, but he's like, I'm already here. I might as well kill you. I'm going to kill you anyway, you know, whatever. And he finds Gogorovich, and Gogorovich explains, you know, the situation. And he suspects, for someone who's supposed to be good at Jelly Man, I mean, like, he always thinks people are lying anyway. This is what it's so crazy. You know what I mean? Which is, I think this is how, this is exactly how Snape gets in and gets out. Because it's like, you're going to assume I'm telling, not telling the truth anyway. So, it is to literally put a lie in there anyway. You know what I mean? Put subterfuge, you know, like, put the truth and you're going to believe that's a lie anyway. And you're going to go look for something else and there you will find a lie. Right? That you believe to be the truth. Maybe that's how Snape is getting it done. He constantly, I mean, like, who, I mean, the only person who don't mess with Voldemort is Dumbledore. It's the only person he's afraid of. And trust me, sir, from everyone I've seen it, they don't, they don't. I mean, you say something and look, you see Bellatrix is throwing people behind her to run helter-skelter from you. I mean, if Bellatrix is afraid of you, I mean, I don't know who else isn't going to be afraid of you, sir. So I don't know if male mortals are going to dare lie to you, you know, but he figures out that, you know, whatever he's looking for is not there. We presume it's a wand. And he realized a child, uh, some blonde haired boy stole it in the past. And Gogorovich was, you know, lying about um, having this thing, which we know because, um, what's his name? Crouch, not Crouch, Victor Crumb mm-hmm. um, was going on that Gogorovich is the better wand maker. That would seem to be the, the thing. Um, so we had that bit of information. And just as we're trying to consider that, we go back to Harry and Hermione and we're talking about the details about what Rita presumes is going on, how um, Kendra Dumbledore husband ends up in Azkaban and she's hiding her squib of a daughter and it's out of pride that she doesn't say that she has a squib and then drama ensues and guess who turns out to be Harry's, um, Dumbledore's friend but the infamous Gellert Grindelwald mm-hmm. the previous, the low-key version of Voldemort back in the 40s, uh, early 30s, and drama ensues. Something happened. The sister dies, and Gillette runs off, and Harry, but they will not before start discussing um, crazy notion of taking over the world and the greater good, which was um, Grindelwald's motto back in his heyday. So the world seemed to know can now reduce Dumbledore to like a mere joke and a mere zealous and a mere pretender, like this man who was supposed to be the great defenders of muggles. And what is funny is that wizards are oh hey trying to defend muggles, the same muggles that y'all never even defended anyway. <laughs> so, and not, I mean? only, not only a, a joke in that regard, but also someone who has, you know, not even, you know, been good at protecting his own family. And who has put everything, put his family second behind his his um, grandiose ideas? You know and that that because they talk about. And I think at some point they talk about he and and his brother having a fight during right. um, the funeral. 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 Yeah. 
But this is the thing that I thought was interesting is that so much was expected of Dumbledore at that point, right? That right. he was a mere seventeen-year-old, brilliant, you know, um, as he was, but he was expected mm-hmm. to literally be the head of the household. Like <laughs> there was again, the yeah. Wizarding World doesn't show any system in place to even help these people. I mean, you have a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 13-year-old. I presume Ariadne to be around that age. Um, and they're supposed to live it out. This this sounds like an episode of Shameless. It's not going to end well. <laughs> it's not going to end well. Stop it. You know I mean? Right now. She even says, you know, that when that they were, that Dumbledore and... Um, Grindelwald were the same age that we are now. He said, I thought you'd say that. But um, I thought you say they were young. They were the same age as we are now. And here we are risking our lives to fight the dark arts. And there he was in a huddle with his new best friend, plotting their rise to power over the muggles. Because he he's taking in all of this information. And because he's getting it, it's almost like getting um, radio frequencies that are going in and out and trying to make, trying to figure out what the song really sounds like. Because he's getting these bits and pieces of information and trying to make sense of it, but he's not, he doesn't have enough. Um, And because he is feeling so, I don't know, at sea with not having a sense, a clear sense of direction, he's grasping at these little bits of information and trying to make sense of them. Well, I remember um, at this point feeling like I didn't know if Dumbledore was really, truly good. You know, I just, and I've talked about this a little bit before, he's always seemed so just he's everybody's everything. He is the go-to for everything. And when it seemed like after he died and we start getting these little nuggets of his life, especially in this book, I thought, well, shit, here we go. Like, he's not who we thought he was. And I was prepared for that. And I remember even being a little bit angry at Dumbledore. Like, who are you really? Because everybody can't be all good all the time, you know? And I was totally ready to just jump on the Dumbledore's an asshole bandwagon <laughs> and totally out for himself. <laughs> I mean, I was ready for it because, you know, why not? I, I Listen, I was on the Skeeter gossip train. Oh, well, I knew not to take anything Skeeter saying to be shit because we literally saw how Skeeter was right in this shit. In real time, but given what we don't know about Dumbledore, because yes. we don't know his history, he does not the soul it's, it, But it's like, God, what it. if, what if this is the one thing she fucking gets right? No, Albus, I was with you. Okay, I was with you. I didn't want. I was not. I was going. I'm not going to let somebody like that read her. <laughs> because I wasn't. the other thing too was that I thought if there were going to be any real scandal about Dumbledore, um, two things came to mind. One is. You know, and you go and say the other part is crazy. But the first thing that came to mind with me with this is just like they're too young. If this were twenty something year old Albus Dumbledore you were talking about, I would have given it more credence. But he was seventeen, and people are shitty and obnoxious. And I mean, I talk to little kids in a 
regular basis. I sometimes I'm just like, I don't even know how y'all get up. Y'all are not safe to even be left alone. Like, how is this? <laughs> like, I don't trust you. You know what I mean? I remember when I used to teach, I used to be like, I'm going to remember every one of your faces because the way y'all are talking about, y'all are not going to be my doctor. No way. I don't trust y'all at all. Like, what is this madness? Like, where is the rationale? Like, like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, like, I just know not to trust, like, you know, 17-year-old. You know what I mean? I talk to people in their 20s. You know what I mean? Like, if you listen to young people, like, you, you're on Twitter. You hate, you see the kind of nonsense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if, they were in their tw- if he was 25, 26, I would have taken it a little bit more seriously what she was saying. Second, and, and Pat, beat to that bit is that Rita didn't have any real information because everything that she was saying was somehow somewhat already confirmed by Aunt Muriel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What was right. missing was that people didn't have the real details, right? And this was, and he was an old man. So, you know, that things would have been forgotten. It was very interesting because here you saw that he was always propped up. I think everyone else treated him like he was really, you know, super duper, like, you know, like a Merlin type character. Though this wasn't something he ever assumed because he was rather humble, particularly when shit needed to get down. It's Dumbledore, right? He's talking to these people. He wasn't like, I am Albus Dumbledore. Listen to what I'm saying, whatever the case may be. He's just like, look, y'all listen to reason. If y'all not listen to reason, we're going to. I'm going to do my own shit. You know what I mean? Like, he was very practical about... So, you know, I had no reason to think that he was a really, like, a a power-hungry... He was, like, Voldemort, Lighter, or whatever. And I didn't even know enough about Gellert Grindelwald to even know what exactly Dumbledore would have been a part of. You know what I mean? Because we no, have scant information seed, about... The seed was already planted that he was, you know, maybe not so good. I think for, for me, the real seed that I saw when I was reading this section was that it's very, in my opinion, it's very clear that he and Grendelwald had a relationship. or were about to have a personal relationship. That the secret correspondent reader was very. Well, that's your gaydar coming out. I didn't get that <laughs> when I was reading it. I Rita didn't consider it. it. So, so when later on, when J.K. Rowling, quote unquote, confirmed that Gr- that Dumbledore was gay, I was like. I knew it because, uh, and this is this, and this goes back to the the newspaper article that um, Rita Skeeter had written in the interview with Betty, whatever her name was, right, where she was talking about the unnatural relationship with Harry and Dumbledore, right, and that you know mm-hmm. she said we don't know if there was actually a duel as opposed to if Grilla didn't bring out a white handkerchief and wave it about, right? She was being that whole. This is an effeminate limp wrist kind of a thing. And from what like you know, like she said, secret correspondence at night, because it was a very it was a summer fling. It was a slumber fling. Because because that's what Hermione even point back Hermione points back to that. She says, but not even Rita could confirm that this was a situation that happened beyond a short summer. Because there was never any connection between I guess people didn't know about that summer session. <laughs> I don't want to call it that, but you know, that they had <laughs> met in their summer. You but I get but then again, like I said, you know, like they're old family. Dumbledore is rather old, and people in the magical world that we've met 
have been relatively young. You know, the people that we interact with. I know they're older people, but, you know, Ron's parents are relatively young. They're in their 50s, perhaps, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, and they have a young children. So we are not meeting, we never really meet people around Dumbledore's age. And so for us to have, so I didn't think I had enough information to be like, Dumbledore is this asshole. I felt, okay, finally, they're making him out not to be a Merlin character, but I ain't going to trust Rita. R- R- I'm not going to trust Rita's assessment of any situation, not even her hairstyle. So <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was willing to give Dumbledore the benefit of the doubt. Debbie, you were saying sorry? I was going to say, I think it really was, th- that whole, this whole episode was to plant a little bit of doubt that maybe there was more to Dumbledore than we've been led to believe and that it was not all um, benevolent. So I don't think it was, I don't think we were meant to take Rita's um, assessment at face value because we've already been, we've already been shown who Rita Skeeter is. we've, We've known since book four, the treachery of Rita Skeeter. So we know that we have to take anything that she says with a grain of salt. <laughs> but I think the fact that she's putting that out there and that there are, you know, she can get enough. And we, you know, now she's done this interview with Batilda and, you know, she, we can't even, nobody can even go back and corroborate it because mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's, we're not even able to go back and corroborate it. So, you know, I think that we, it, it was really kind of just to put it out there that we don't know everything we think we know about Dumbledore. Yeah, and it totally and- worked on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> not, that the, not that the pendulum is going to swing completely, you know, from, you know, uh, kind of like a de- deified figure to something totally worthless, but it's just to kind of put it out there that oh, there's a little bit more to Dumbledore than we've than we've seen so far, mm-hmm. because you know up until this point we didn't know anything about family. We didn't. I mean, like Harry, right. imagine it, like Harry was early in the book. I didn't even know the man lived in Godric Hollow. You know, it's it's so much about him that we don't know that we. That's the the first time we realize oh, we really don't know much about Dumbledore. Right. You've seen a little bit about, we saw a little bit of him through um, his memories um, when he was training, when he was giving Harry the information in book six. But there's so much about him that we didn't know. And I, I honestly, and I felt that that was the really the thing for me that we didn't, I didn't know. And I felt it was a distraction because it wasn't like we had information about McGonagall and Nat. Dumbledore's history was it was absent that is true but so was nearly almost everybody else's but did we want to know everybody else yeah, but, we, I, but I think but, but we, the reason the Dumbledore um, what's missing from Dumbledore is more more relevant is as Harry realizes not only did he not leave me a plan I didn't know the man at all Right. So I, even if he did leave me a plan, I don't know whether I can take this plan seriously. Or I just don't, there's so much I thought I and I came out here thinking I, I knew what I was doing and it's being revealed to me that I, not only do I not know what I'm doing, I don't even know the man who sent me on this mission. Right. 
So I can think I trust Dumbledore? Yeah, can I trust the man that sent me on this mission? I don't even know him. And so I didn't even know that we are my parents and he came from the same place. Mm-hmm. So there's that's that's what we're supposed to like oh to realize along with Harry. Oh, gee, wow, you really don't know. It wasn't supposed to mean that, oh, now we, you know, Dumbledore is somebody to be discounted, but we are supposed to see that revelation of Harry that this stuff is more complicated than I thought. Yeah. I it's mean, not just that I'm out here, you know, trying to run for my life. I There's so much that I just don't even, you know, it's all part of this wilderness experience. Well, I I would add a little I would add just a little bit to that because in the sense if we think about it like Harry's trust of Dumbledore was just instinctual. Yeah, it was right? unconditional. It was it unconditional. was instinctual and unconditional. His mm-hmm. attachment to a drone, the relationship that he forged right. in the magical world were very tiny. They didn't I mean like he didn't fuck with people. He wasn't fucking with everybody. You know what I mean? That kind of way. But he like he, he wasn't. He wasn't. You know, he and Dean are cool. You know, like he and Neville are cool. You know what I mean? But they ain't cool, cool. You know, he just like yeah. Remember, my... remember in book two, Dumbledore tells him the loyalty you showed to me. In that, in that, when they were underground, when they were in the um, chamber of secrets. That's what called Fox to him. So right. He, that he has had his his loyalty, his belief in Dumbledore since the since he walked through that door has been unconditional and complete. And now, the, the whole and thing the, right, the whole thing is collapsing now because it's just like I really and truly had no evidence to base this trust on. <laughs> like I just made a decision to take this man and believe him at every word. I've never questioned. And the only thing that he lied about that he imagined was a lie. It's something that seems so irrelevant, really. You know, the socks bit, the, the mirror of error said. You right. know, that's the only time that he felt, you know, was ever distrustful. And again, these men are master liars. I'm telling you, these people can... Can swindle, I don't even know, a snake. <laughs> these people are just, <laughs> they just look at you in your face and just, you know, tell these like crazy over the top lies. They are sociopaths. But, but one so, thing we're not saying about mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. also is, you know, yeah, Harry's having these doubts and we're watching this revelation, but Ron actually says it out loud. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. Ron isn't there, right? But, no, but again, that was before, before he left. left. He right, questions but, it out loud, and he's like, you know, what oh, what is going on? I thought Dumbledore told you something, and you don't know anything. It's like he's he's bringing to light all of these doubts. He actually says it out loud. He tells Harry, and, and Harry is suspicious. Remember of the conversation. But, I, I, the but I think they, I think that's even that's even sticking in Harry's cry even more at this point. Right. Because, right. Because yeah. it's all Ron of it. made it's all this thing and they dismiss Ron everything. as being right. Yeah. You, you miss you, you dismiss Ron as being bratty and over the top. And he was telling the truth. Exactly. Uh, in his mind, he was telling the truth. And you know, at this point, you know, I mean I wanna tell I wanna think, you know, that they should know and everything. but it's just like you're right, they're seventeen. 
they're on a really crazy mission. They're mm-hmm. lost. They're not just out in the wilderness. They're literally lost. You right. know what I mean? There is no home to return to. Harry never had a home. And, you know, it's like school isn't an option. You know, in the whole, he's the most wanted man in the magical world. And, you know, it, it, it's all, you know, thing. I got mad at Ron in that situation because I'm just like, Ron, what do you mean you thought you told you more? Bitch, Harry, tell you everything. What else do you want him to say? And, you know, Dumbledore died not when he wanted to. Like, come on now, people. Y'all out here trying to fight dead people. I don't but we know that it. Ron always has this kind of thing in the back of his mind that Harry's not telling him everything, that he's keeping things from him. That was established in the in the uh, Goblet of Fire. Remember, Ron truly believed that Harry got his name put in the Goblet of Fire without sharing how he did it so that they could do it together. So it was established then that Ron always kind of thought, mm, yeah, you're my bro, but... I think you're trying to keep something in your back pocket. Oh, you're my bro who thinks who thinks less of me. Right. Well, I think and- he always, there's always the insignificance. Um, he constantly felt um, that Ron felt that he could never measure. Though Harry, though there was no competition in Harry's mind, and in some respect, Harry thought Ron was one of the coolest person he knew. That. Ron always thought that Harry thinks he's less than. And this is why I don't understand. But you see, when you're mediocre, you can't even spot mediocrity. Because it's not like Harry... Ron only knows how to have one type of relationship with people. He has the same relationship with Harry that he has with his brothers. He always assumed that he was less than his brothers. And not at the same level as his brothers. You know, he's got the cool brother. He's got the he's got the brother that's that's smart, even if he's a prat. He's got the and he's got the witty, every super popular brother twin, the set of twins. He and he only knows how to have that type of relationship with people. He's always had that. That's and the his, that's the position he's taken in every relationship that he's had. So and a lot he, of the with, with with Harry, he immediately assumes the position. Yeah, he does, and his. But at the same time, he finally has his own friend that he doesn't have to share with his brothers, or you know, so to speak. Um, but his own insecurities about those relationships he has at home exactly manifest and come out with Harry, even though Harry has never given him a reason to believe that he is anything other than a friend and a great friend who just wants to share what he has with Ron. You know, Ron often gets offended by Harry's money. Well, that's his own insecurity of growing up poor. And he thinks kind of like Harry's trying to show off where Harry's just like, listen, what's mine is yours. If I've got it, I'm going to share with you. And I'm not even thinking that I'm doing this for you because you can't do it for yourself. I am doing this out of sheer love, really. And I think at some point, Harry even said he'd never had any, he'd never had anybody to share anything with. You know, I think when they're on the train, you know, he he's just he's reveling in the fact that he can buy all of those things off the trolley and and share them because he's never had that experience. And he is just like over the moon with that experience. And, you know, 
Fred and George are just as poor as Ron, but boyfriends are busy trying to make money. They are. They, they got friends. Nine cent. They, they have are, friends and they share. They know how, but they know. They figure we're we're going to turn our cleverness into some money, and yep. they have always been about that. They're not sitting around like poor me. We're we're the poorest um, wizarding family you know, in the land, they're like, hey, how can we figure out a way to, you know, do these spells? And if even if they make people sick, yeah, uh, can we make a buck off of them? Yeah. They're not sitting around. That's that's not who they that's not their temperament. And they the had their own identities too. I know, I mean, you know, one time I have a, a friend of mine in high school. He's the oldest brother. He's the he's the eldest and the older brother, he has a younger brother. And I being a younger brother, I had an older brother at school. So one day he saw us and we, we pretended like we didn't know each other. And he was like, what? Y'all are strangers? I was like, that's okay. But he didn't know how to operate <laughs> in a world where he, he and his brother don't see, him and his brother don't see each other and they have some sort of interaction. My brother and I went to the same school for two years and I think I could probably count the number of times my brother acknowledged my presence and I acknowledge his. And it was perfectly fine. And I think Ron was probably suffering with that. That he always wanted to be he. That he perhaps he was the loneliest child of all. And remember when, when the twins gave Harry the Marauder's Map? And yeah. Ron was outraged. That they didn't, they never told me about a Marauder. You know, you know what I'm saying? So he, he always, he's always looking for, and whenever he's having those interactions, he, that's the, that's the position he assumes. That um, you know somebody didn't tell me, or they didn't they didn't bring me in on it. That's the way he goes. That's how he rolls. <laughs> Whole thing. So we are at the point, Janina. How much time do we have left, Janina? Sorry, about thirty minutes. Okay. okay. So, so we can really get. So we, we can really get, get into the silver dough. The silver dough. Yes. In some some ways, I think this was kind of cheap, but in some ways, I think no, it's theatrical. But I know you ladies would tell me I am wrong. You are so willing. wrong. I thought this was kind of cheap, um, but it no. does make for spectacular theater. This was, this was brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> this was brilliant. This is something that, listen, cut it. Ow, don't you dare try to dog this. I will. I <laughs> after will you don't dog throat. Albus Dumbledore, you don't you dare tell no, me no, about no. dog. I did not dog Albus. I just said I was ready to be, you know, I was preparing myself for the fact that he might not be the good man that I thought. But this, oh, man. So set it up. Basically, well, you know, Harry's basically, Harry is basically having a tough time still is still mourning his his wand and he and Hermione have have moved again um to another location and it's getting colder and colder and now it's even dealing they're with moving snow because they think they're being followed they think they they're think... being followed they actually hear voices yeah and um so they and they, they still don't know how to say osseo salmon no <laughs> <laughs> Look. And, I mean, uh, Hermione is a big girl. She can deal with, you know, poverty. And, you know, Harry doesn't even know when he's not hungry. 
right. he doesn't even he doesn't even recognize that anymore because he's from the Dursley School of Hard Knocks. And I think he also keeps uh, saying he'll take the watch because he has to hold on to her wand, and he feels um, so vulnerable without a wand, even when he's supposed to be off of watch. So I think that's another reason he keeps saying, no, I'll take watch, I'll take it, and I'm fine. And um, and it also allows him that opportunity to just keep mulling over and over what's going on. And um, I think this is, he's had like two nights of very little sleep, and he realizes that um, that maybe there's something going on in the woods out there. And we later find out that, yes, something was going on. There was lots of somethings going on. Yes, yes. You know, Ron was out looking for them. I don't know if it's ever confirmed, but possibly Snape. I don't know if he was watching him. It's a heads of Snape. I mean, what do you mean if it was ever confirmed? You mean even after they finished the book? No, no. I mean... um, was was he there or did he just send the Patronus? No, no, no. He was there. He was okay, there. I couldn't remember. He was there. But because I... The, the or someone was there. Let's just say someone was there because... Someone was there because the Patronus... Somebody had to be there to carry the... To bring the sword. No, no, you can... Oh, you, right, you, but, could, you could have sent it magic. You could have sent but it. Deb is right about that. And Ron confirmed that he saw, he saw someone someplace, but he he couldn't go and look because... Harry didn't come out of the lake. Okay, you're right. That's yeah. what he, he, his attention yeah. was more drawn to Harry, and he yeah. thought he saw someone. And I think wherever they went, it was clear that someone was standing there. I could just imagine Snape, this fucking idiot. What is he doing? What is happening here? What instructions did Dumbledore? Did Dumbledore know that this is an idiot? That this idiot doesn't do subtle. That you have to make things right. Well, faithfully obvious to this boy because of the same one that he is talking about wanting to be but you know this is why I can't stand Harry sometimes it's the same one you want for protection what do you do go in the lake without it you see what I'm talking about (laughs) I can't stand this kid in this nonsense because he does this every time he's in trouble and he gets down on his hands and his knees like I don't even know like 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 an animal and the thing that is supposed to save him, he drops it. He did this in book two. He did this in book one. It's just like, what are you doing, boo? boo? This is the thing. And you just made a whole big scene about, I miss my Phoenix wand. And then you would have dropped it on the ground just the same. You go into a lake to retrieve the soul with a whole crux around your neck, with just your body. Your frail, bony, hungry body. Eating... Sustain on mushrooms. I can't, boo. I can't. This is just madness for this little boy. But someone comes and, you know, this is... What, did y'all expect that? Because I thought it was like, what? The whole crux is trying to... <laughs> well... Be- because I thought whatever spell was on it would have been... Would have been more aggressive like the ring. You know, because well, think, the ring. I, think, I don't think each, you know, each one of these Horcruxes are different. Has a different they have a different way of reacting. Mm-hmm. Right. And I and, thought the most danger would have been the, the, the protection that Dumbledore, that Voldemort had set up 
Well, let's not, let's not go that far yet. Let's Three, let's yeah. go back to this dough. So Harry's outside on watch and falls asleep and no, gets woken no. up by the brightness. He thinks he hears something and he wakes up and, and he sees it. Mm-hmm. I remember like I remember like oh my god you know I knew it was a Patronus that that seemed clear but from where and why and who and we've never seen this before we we I don't even think well we did see we, the Patronus in book three we saw his father's Patronus we saw the stag Right, but this is a doe, you know, so that's, yeah. He knows, and I'm thinking, his, he knows it's not his father's. Right, and I'm just like racking my brain, like, have we seen this before? I don't mean have we seen a Patronus. Have we seen this particular this one? particular one, right. And, you know, I'm like, I don't think so, you know? And, oh, my gosh. I, oh, I love, Reels, I love this. Yeah, I. I, I, I love too. this. And it was really kind of unexpected in a way because, you know, we dealt with the Patronus um, in, in book three, and then we dealt with it again in book five when he was teaching, you know, when he was doing Dumbledore's army. Um, and just that whole, you know, we know the power of it and what it takes to do it. And it just kind of had an ethereal feel to it. Um, kind of elemental in a lot of ways. And um, I just thought it was really brilliant to have that appear at that moment in the storyline. And then when he, you know, realizes that the doe starts to move away from him and he's trying to, to get it to come back, he's, when he sets off in pursuit, um, and then it, it runs away, but it has led him to where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. I think initially when I read this, I thought this was a fever dream kind of thing. I because um, because Ron appeared like he was hearing because I took the dough to be representative of his mother. I immediately got that. You um, see, I didn't. Did we? Know, I did not. Did we know that that was Lily's Patronus. I... No, not until Dumbledore. Yeah, I mean, it makes logical sense. I mean, it does, but we dead. don't know. But we don't know. Because, I mean, remember I told you all, like, I read, reading the books, it was so painfully obvious that J.K. Rowling was, make, was deliberately avoiding discussing Lily in any extent as she would discuss James. That mm-hmm. everyone kept making the reference to Harry in terms of James, beyond his green eyes, right? Everyone kept saying that, which I thought was like, it's a white kid. He got green eyes. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but not it wasn't... really, because remember Slughorn, we learned quite a lot about Right, but, 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 but Slughorn was the difference, mm-hmm. right? Slughorn made it a point, and Slughorn, Slughorn <laughs> is, is maybe drinking too much and whatever the case may be. But Slughorn is hinting at the thing that made me think, hmm, that I wasn't so surprised about Snape and his affection for Lily because we knew that they were friends to certain degree because he called her Mudblood, which I thought was really odd when the story broke in book five, I think it was, because she wasn't really the source of his anger, right? It was always James and Lupin and, and, and Sirius, particularly I know he loathed C- 
serious with a passion. But Slughorn, remember at the Christmas party, Slughorn said something along the lines of like, oh, you know, when he was bragging about Harry's potions ability, and Slughorn, what really got Snape really pissed off is that Slughorn <laughs> inferred that he was better than Snape, right? Because of Lily, that he got his mother's braid, and he might have been even better than you, Severus. And that's what mm-hmm. sent, that's what really sent, you know, Snape petty as he is. He don't take slights. He don't take. <laughs> he takes great exception to any slight. So he took that in. So I thought that was very. That was a. That was that was sort of like that. Always stuck in my mind. That here was the one teacher, who never really grew. Who never really said anything about. Um, is the first teacher that referenced Harry, mother first. Father, second, if if at all, you know, because I'm yeah. sure James wasn't even part of the slug club, right? James was not a part right. of the slug club for sure. No, so I no. always think, but I James knew that was a late bloomer in terms of coming into have you know being a decent human being, right? But he was brilliant nonetheless in terms of magical talent. I don't think Slughorn was making um, moral judgments. Okay, no, he, no, he was studying. He, he was doing but, power bullshit. James was was cutting up. Remember, right. James and Sirius were, they remember they put Lupin in kind of to try to be the calming figure with them because they were cutting up. They, I got the impression that they were worse than Fred and George. Well, but they, because they, I think they were also they were far mean. cleverer. They were they far were, cleverer they, than they, they than was not a mean bone in Fred and George's body. No, they were just goofballs. They were goof-offs. But um, but they were smart. But and I that's what made them dangerous. I think I that's what the feeling that James and Sirius could borderline bully. Right, and I I think um, no, I think they were arrogant. I always got this well, sense they were from you know, arrogant. They, they bullied Snape. Right. Well, but, you know. Let's be fair. Snape was giving as good as he was getting. Okay, yeah, let us. Not... But they but they didn't. It's not like they would let him walk across a lot. I think it was the money. I think the thing that really stood out for James and I think it's the thing that Harry would point to later on, right? It's that they were cared for. Yes. That was the bit, right? That despite whatever drama Sirius had as at home with his parents, right? He he voluntarily left those parents and found himself in a brand new family who took him open arms in James' family. And right. they were well to do. Yes. So, these were, um, these were, I, I think, because that's what the thing, because remember the scene that we saw in book five, is that what made them really laugh was that Snape had really old, dirty, poor-looking underwear. That was the thing, because they all wear the same thing, because trust me, I wore uniform for a long time in school. People are not picking on you for the uniform. It is no. the difference in the shoes, in the socks that you wear, in your book bag, in your... so. We don't have after we don't have back to school specials, okay? It is the back the thing that you have to come to school with that you, the pressure is on your shoes, your socks, your book bag, and your pens and pencils. Those are the knickknack, by the way, things that in America is not a thing, but in a high in a uniform system, those are the things. And who has the better underwear and whatever the case may be? Like, look, I got Superman underwear. Boys show each other their underwear. They do. It's a crazy thing, but they do all the time. But 
So I think that was what it was for thing. I mean, like, maybe they, I'm not going to say that they were not bullied, but I don't think they were bullied in the sense of like how Crab and Goyle and, right, right, and, and right. Balfoy was. That doesn't mean that their behavior was um, not um, appalling nonetheless, but I think they had a special thing for, um, for Snape because Snape, as you know, Snape was always in their business. Right, because Snape knew that they had a secret. Snape, Snape is all about. I need to get these riff rats out of. See, I'll try to throw somebody out of Hogwarts. I don't know why he thinks he's Hogwarts policeman, mm-hmm. uh, like the board of control. <laughs> but <laughs> his mission is to throw a whole bunch of people out of the school. And yet, you sit there and watch Crab and Goyle in your class for six freaking years, and you ain't say shit. I ain't got time with you, Severus. I don't. I don't. Well, because... you know, he, remember their fa- their fathers were Our big with uh, Lucius. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, but Crab and Goyle should not be anywhere near a cauldron or a Bunsen burner or nothing. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even know how they got out of year one, but you know, that, that's going to be. We, we're dealing a wall of magic, so maybe there's some hocus pocus going on for grades too. But I mean, so so for me, I, I like I said, I suspected it. I initially took it to be Harry was having a fever dream. And the dough might not really have existed at all. That though he is seeing the dough, and then Ron confirmed he saw something. And I said, okay, then, then it might be um, something else that's going on here. That whatever it is, um, it will be explained later on. But for me, the most pressing thing was that Ron came back. And that for well, whatever, but, but we know this. So I didn't, I didn't. I didn't think about it too much, to be honest. But it was I, theatrical, like I said. I knew it was something. I, When Ron comes back, you know, we see the dough. We don't really know what's going on. Um, we realize that it's there to tell Harry that the sort of Gryffindor is in this frozen pond thing right in front of him and he needs to get it. It is at this point that everything starts picking up and moving more quickly because we've been in a in a in a somewhat slow spot right. um in this right. book there's not a lot of there's, action there's the not a lot of action going well, on so no, this no you keep saying that but it is not just, true we just got away from Voldemort. from godric Hall, exactly a lot of action well, maybe it's the way that i remember feeling that though i remember feeling like this is they're not making any development on their mission of the whole crux that's what's not happening well maybe that i i don't know i'm just telling you this i felt excited and i felt like i was at a point where things were picking up in some sense whatever that may be maybe because they found the sort of gryffindor maybe because we now are going to destroy a horcrux you know we finally like we're 19 chapters in and you're just now destroying a damn horcrux Right, and guess and that's the mission of the book. So that's why it felt like probably you know in that moment, it's that okay, and it starts to move quicker. And I I remember just actually wanting to devour and move quickly. I didn't take time to stop my first read through of this book. I didn't stop and think about anything. I just wanted to get to the end. I wanted to know what happened, which is probably honestly why I didn't really like it. I didn't like this book. (laughs) When I first read it, I didn't take it slowly and try to really drink it in. I just, I just wanted the information. I wanted to get a point A to B. I was pissed off at the people who literally stayed up all night and read the whole damn thing. Cause that's not anything I've ever been able to do. And I just, you know, I just, I just wanted to know. I wasn't, I, 
of course I wanted to enjoy it, of course, but I, I wasn't trying to take it slowly and make my way through and think about different elements of it. First of all, I didn't typically read that way when I was that age anyways. I just, you know, all right, here's the information on the page, take it and move on. And that's what I did. And I remember feeling really excited when we got here, like, here we go. I just want to uh, so go ahead. I was going to say that, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that Ron is, as becomes the, is the hero of this particular incident because the Horcrux is basically a strangling Harry under mm-hmm. the pond. Remember the Horcrux has, has, has right. um, yeah. basically the chain has tightened and was cons- was constricting his windpipe. He was going to drown in the in the in the pond if Ron had not um, pulled him out. Mm-hmm. So, well, it was Ron's turn to be the hero, right? After all right. this time, it was finally time for him to do something big because it's like he's always been, her, der, you know. Well, like, there was no. Well, I thought that the very first book he, he not, did, he, he did, and we, we've it. seen we've seen no mark of brilliance since. <laughs> right, but, but but I think in many ways, in the tough spots, in a sort of a way. He is the one who is most practical, right? Like he, yeah. he, he doesn't think mm-hmm. he isn't thinking theoretically, he isn't thinking magically, he's just reactive. Well, right? he is he's, thinking yeah, magically, thinking. but this is his way of no. life because that's how he's grown right. up. So right. the thing that that Harry and Hermione would have to think like okay, what kind of magic is this? Ron's just like, oh, this is what you do. This is what it is. What What do you mean you don't know that? You know, it's instinctual for him because he grew up in the magical world, which we've talked about is, is his contribution to the trio mm-hmm. of sharing those types I, I, of information. I, okay, I see what you're saying. In, in terms of like magic is the thing that he, that is his, his instinct will be magical. Right. Because that's, that's his way. Okay. That's the, the thing, thing he knows. knows. But that a lot of times Ron has been placed in a position where he can't do anything. You know, from he does that brilliant thing on the chessboard, but then he's in order for right, Harry, for to, Harry to move on. Right, exactly. Yeah, he has to be Same thing in book two. Same thing in book two. Two. He's he's on the other side of the of the landslide. Book so three, he he's bitten, he's bitten by the dog. He's taken he's to the hospital. The way. He's in bed, and so he can't go back in time when they when they do do their thing. He yeah. is placed underwater in book four, so very often he is placed away from the action, and so he can't really do um, much by you know really contribute much to what is going to go on to make to save the day. But in this case, he really is the reason that he really does save Harry's life. Yeah. But you know, no one ever really takes stock of the fact. I guess everyone is all about Victor Crumb going after Hermione, which I thought was kind of sad that this pedophile, well, he's not a pedophile, you know, <laughs> going after this child. She was but what, 14? 14. He was 17. It's illegal. I know Debbie's cute, but it's not cute. <laughs> uh, especially girl. when he wanted her to go away. He's trying to have an away trip, overseas trip, no boo. That ain't happening. Um, but the other thing that I thought was overlooked, that the thing that Harry would have missed most was Ron. 
no one ever picked up on that bit, which I thought was so really. I mean, I was just like, oh, oh I picked up on it. I, I, I thought that that was natural. Because when you think about the the choices that you know the other people, well, um, Flo took her sister, and Victor took um, Hermione, Hermione and Cedric took Cho Chang. I was just like, ah, these are. But if you think about it, these are the only like for the other people. But temporary we don't, relationship. Like, but we I don't mean, know. Like, we don't know of any other relationships. We don't know any other relationship that Victor has at this point, other than Hermione. We, we know didn't that know Cho... any other relationship about Flo other than her sister. But that's we her family. It just makes sense. The it other just people makes had sense. family too. Well, Victor know. didn't no, but I'm yeah. I, I I get what you're saying, but I mean, from what we we don't know anything about Floor, we you know, at this point. So sure. She she didn't have a friend per se at Hogwarts like Victor had Hermione. So it made sense that that was going to be her little sister. We know that Cedric was, and yeah, Cho are in a relationship, you know, and of course, I mean, Ron is far more important to Harry than we think about. He that's is, what I meant. That's what yes. I meant. His yes. He's his first friend. That's his what he feels to be, you know, really his true family. He loves being at Ron's house. He loves everything about it. He loves that familial sense. He loves the affection that he receives from um, Molly, you know, of course it's Ron. They do, they're thick as thieves. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, and Ron has has provided a kind of um, groundedness in magic, in the magical world and been his guide in a lot of ways. I mean, Dumbledore, we think of him as, as Harry's guide through you know, through the through the world, through the magical world, but yeah, in terms yeah. of the practicality, day in and day out of how it's things, Ron. that's Ron. Yeah, that's Ron's. That's Whether Ron's it's job. It's explaining the the chocolate frogs yep. and cards that come with. I mean, that he is the one explaining the day to day of what it's like to be in the magical world. Yeah. I, I never questioned that. I never questioned it. I didn't think it was odd. I didn't think that it wasn't a big deal, that it wasn't a huge focus. It just made sense. Mm -hmm. I would say that Ron had to come back as a hero in a heroic. He just couldn't walk into camp and be like, hey, I'm back. Well, of course I not. Yeah, I agree. So, he had to, so that's why I thought this was, I said it's just sort of theatrical. And I just want to make one point go back to a final point about why I suspected the doe had some relation to his mother. Um, because Snape in book six... Um, Wait, he was that again? What in relation to... Oh, the doe. I doe, thought you said right. more. Snape okay, with book six, um, he told... Um, what's that crazy girl's name? Tonks. That she changed her doe. She changed her Patronus to match... Um, Remuses, lupins. So I realized that um, people can have those kind of love connection, whatever. And also Hermione's um, um, Patronus is an other uh, something related to the Weasleys. Um, so, oh my God, I never Ron's considered Jack, that. Ron's is a um, Jack Russell, Russell, and I think Jack Russell's um, 
they somehow or another there's a connection between Jack Russell's and Otters. Right. And so their name being Weasley. I always consider Weasley, Otters, Beaver, that kind of thing. So I was just like, oh, but I didn't know, of course, you know, like I would say that J.K. Rowland has this way of making these conclusion and tidying up things that you're just like, wow, girl, I didn't even see that. I missed that. But I knew I was just, when I was reading along, I was just like, okay, this has something to do with Lily. And I was just like, oh, this is a fever dream. It's like, oh, no, Ryan sees it too. So it can't really be a fever dream. But something up here, you know, we got to find out what the deal is. We would, I knew that. And the, the good thing I was rest assured, Janina, that I had less anxiety because I know this is the final book. A lot of questions will be answered at some point. <laughs> I mean, you had more anxiety in the other books because you didn't know how much this book would reveal True. and whether you had to wait for another book. So I yeah. was a little bit more yeah. calm. You felt like everything life. was going to be tidied gonna, up for we're you. We're going to find out or else no. we'll never know. Right. Yeah. So... Ron comes back in, he pulls him out, and that whole scene with the who that whole cross was just nasty. Listen, I mean, that it was, was just I like it was Ron, Ron fulfilled. They were, was, it went right to what we started off talking about with regards to Ron and Ron's insecurity. Yeah, <laughs> that war crux went right there. I have seen your heart. <laughs> now, when I was reading this, I was just like, This is. This is rude. Like this, this was evil. Even when this, your, your this was sheer double or Voldemort. I mean, actually, I don't even time. think most characters would have even dared to utter their mouth to say shit like this to somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this Horcrux had really, as my mother would say, you have passed your place. Like you are, you are out of place, out of order. I was just like. Uh uh-uh. uh, this was just like, and then it go to be like, not only did they talk about Harry and Ron, he was just like, You're the least loved. Your mother wanted a daughter. I was a, like, Bitch, yeah. you weren't even playing. The Ron girl who prefers your friend, these your are all second the best. That Ron believed about himself. Yep. Taken to a higher level, even than he allowed himself to think. Yep. Why return? We were better without you, happier without you, glad of your absence. We laughed at your stupidity, your cowardice, your presumption. Your mother could look. She would have preferred me as a son, Riddle Harry, would have been glad to exchange. Who wouldn't prefer him? What woman would take you? You're nothing, nothing, nothing. Who could look at you? Who would ever look at you besides beside Harry Potter? Mm. Yes. What have you ever done compared with the chosen one? What are you compared with the boy who lived? Listen, this is ugly, nasty, mean, to the core, rotten, shake everything. It is it is the the deepest most intimate thoughts that ron has ever had about himself his relationships his position in his family his position in his friendships spoken aloud and damn it was rough it was and it was rough. things that he hadn't even allowed into his consciousness but that were in his subconscious mind you know that there were things that he thought that he would quickly move away from like 
you know, especially with regards to Hermione, that um, he couldn't, that she couldn't possibly feel that way about him. Um, you know, even when she showed that she was interested in him romantically, he still was pushing that idea that this can't be real. She must. She wouldn't want me. She she wouldn't want me. So, I mean, but it was rough. It was really rough. And, you know, I mean, this would have been, so even if just, let's say that it's Voldemort that comes out of the Horcrux and says these things and says, like, I know, you know, this is what I know your deepest, darkest thoughts are. Mm -hmm. But damn, to make it Harry and Hermione. But I think the magic was whoever, whoever had had gotten a hold of the horror. This is what it would have looked like. What it, right. it was going to go into their deepest yes. fears. And their it would have been whoever. It would because have been whoever. I, I suspected that the whole crooks recognized that um because remember they spoke about the whole crooks almost having like a living heartbeat. They could right? feel it. it, it yeah. They, they could, could feel, feel it. it that it, it was pulsating in whatever the case in me. And the, the whole crooks recognized that one, Harry was determined to he reached for the soul to finally get rid of this thing. So it it it's it's um I guess proverbial life was in danger. And in the sense that it recognized in the convert in the in the in the thing that was happening here, that Harry recognized that he couldn't have been the one to destroy it. Mm-hmm. So the real threat was Ron, that it had to have been Ron. Because it was Ron who pulled the sword up anyway. Yeah. It wasn't Harry who got the sword. It was Ron. Ron saved both Harry, the whole crowd, and the sword. Right. The, sword right. the power of the sword is now within Harry, within Ron. And the sword was just, that whole crux was just like, I mean, only thing left for him was telling me, tell him everything, but he's a child of God. I was just like, shit. Oh, you, if I had feelings. It was cruel. I mean. Really cruel. And, and Harry's just standing there, stab it, stab it. Like, <laughs> don't look into it. Don't like, stop it. Frozen because he's. Uh, oh, and of course, you know, in, in, in classic, in, in classic Harry Potter style, we have trauma. Someone has let their feelings out. You know what I mean? Because no matter what, the Horcrux was telling the truth. Okay, this this the was right. Telling is, the Horcrux is telling Ron's insecurities and the things that he's almost been too afraid to admit to himself. The mm-hmm. Horcrux is doing all of that, putting it all out it, there. It's a tone. It, the Horcrux had a tone, and mm-hmm. it was an unappreciated tone. It like it wasn't. Nasty, I think this yes. is something that had to be discussed. But the tone that the Horcrux <laughs> took was way out of line. I mean. I mean, Ooh, we, could have, we could have probably addressed some of these issues in different situations, but that tone, <laughs> that tone, mm, nah, nah, that whole cross was, was not a plain. No, I was not like, at all. wow, not we at went all. there. We, initially, it when I read it, comment, stuff I like went this, go, back. This is a children's book? <laughs> exactly. I literally went back the pages and just like, did I read this? And so much so that I actually initially thought that the the um, Horcrux had possessed Harry for a second, right? And then when I 
saw the movie and I had read it, you know, like the whole crux, the voices was just coming out. Then I, when I watched the movie, I realized that that the whole crux provided a cinematography. Yeah, it provided really it. It yeah. It describes it as Riddle Harry and Riddle Hermione because mm-hmm. it's it's it becomes a out. Book figure came out. out I was like. What? So it just wasn't shouting down. It was showing you just how it was getting. Oh, I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then Harry was just like, whatever, boo. Let's move on. I was just like, bro. I and then mean, after he does, after he does, you know, kind of pull himself together and stabs it, and um, you know, gets rid of it, and then you know, Harry almost doesn't know after this has been put out there. <laughs> how am I gonna look him in the face? And um, and deal with it, but um, he finally does. He finally is able to talk to him and said, you know, after you left, she cried for a week. It was never me. I, she's like a right. sister to me. <laughs> I thought that was like, I have to say, I was just like, okay, if, if that's how we're going to address that situation, I guess. Listen, like you these are 17-year-old boys. Come on. What do you think that that was a lot of that was emotion. That was deep. Emotion right there. I was like, what? I was just, because you know what was so hilarious to me about the situation is because there was nothing about Harry and Hermione's relationship or interaction that ever made me suspect or hinted that they ever liked each other in that manner. There was just nothing. I mean, like, and we had seen. I mean, in fact, we only see Hermione through Harry. That we don't, she only appears on screen in some relation to Harry to some extent or whatever the case may be. And that if she wanted Harry, she could have had that man a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I, so to me, it was so bizarre that he felt this but way. That, it was just but like, listen, you know, you talk insecurities and inter, uh, uh, irrational. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh. insecurities are irrational. That's the very nature of them. Is that they are and they don't respond to. Um, you know, logical thought and evidence and all of those kinds of things. I mean, from the very beginning, Harry had a thing for Cho. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's ne- when when he started coming into his feelings, he was looking. He was looking outside the trio. He was not yeah. looking in the family. He was looking outside. <laughs> right. Looking outside, and so he has never had that kind of feeling. And then when he realizes that he had feelings for Jenny, that, you know, he's, it's always been somebody else. And like he said, yeah. Monty's like a sister to me. So. It was such a bizarre, I was just like. It really was. I love I it. I love it. But then when they, when they do catch up with Hermione, Hermione is, you know, like, I'm just, I want boyfriend back. She's like, fuck you, motherfucker. You walked out on us. You walked out on us and left us, and we supposed to just open our arms and let you back in? But even before, and, and you she, know, she was like, she's like, but wait, how'd you find us? Because that's most important. Fuck that you're here. This is how'd why I love Hermione. This is it. This is it. It's yep. that. It's that I'm thing. Not, I'm going to smack you around a little bit, and then I need to know how you got here so I can because because, this, because this is the thing that Harry doesn't think about, and this is the, that really drives me insane. This Never is why crosses his mind. Do exactly that if he could see and a doe found me, and uh, because that was the thing that really stood out for me as well, that the doe clearly knew that they were there. Well, in my mind, but I recognize that the doe couldn't see them, 
you know, the dog just recognized they were in the vicinity and it's a Patronus, right? We're going to see that a mile away. Right? Well, I just, but you know what? I decided that I could cast my Patronus and say, go find Harry Potter. And because it's magic, maybe it would. That's I don't know if he needed my to mind. see it, but because he needed the... Like but I guess I said, that wouldn't work because then everyone would do it and they would have been found a long time ago. But, but at the time, that's what I was thinking. Well, the Patronus is being sent to a place. The, the Patronus Wait, is what, being... What's that, Deb? Snape what? Snape has abilities that not everybody has. No, not only that, but Snape, Snape has can talk to the portrait mm-hmm. in Hermione's no. back. No. Yes. No, no, no. no, he can talk to the portrait. Remember, the portrait is in the office as well. But I'm my point is Snape has a way of seeing things no, and watching no, no, them. No, 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 If no. they take him, why are you knowing me like that? No, I think you're. I well, I think you're overstating something in a way, and I just wanted to clarify with the Patronus. Patronus are sent to a specific location. I'm not talking about the Patronus. I'm talking but about. I Snape. think. Remember Snape the talking to Nigellus. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's because. But you—that's not an ability. That's anybody could talk to the, the portrait in the office. He's not speaking to the portrait in the bag per se. I know, but I'm sure that Snape knows mm-hmm. that Hermione has taken the uh, portrait off the black wall and has oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Oh, that, so he has that, that, that ability to know more because he knows that she has the other one. So he can send Nigellus to check on them, listen in or whatever. I mean, that is confirmed in the book anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. I thought you meant that he had a sort of a specific ability to speak to the portrait in the no. back directly. I was like, what do you, what do you my, mean? My point is that Snape is also very skilled magician very skilled yeah. wizard, and that he can you know the things that he needed to do to put that to put that um sword in the frozen you know he can do all of those things because he is a, he because of the abilities that he has well i mean i mean i guess i read it differently i mean that you because i didn't necessarily see anything extraordinary about the scene per se I just took it that you know a Patronus is a, is a bigger it's like a huge flashlight and it goes to a specific place and that remember because I think Dumbledore gave him two specific instructions that you have to put the sword under circumstances where you have to retrieve it to some heroic measure and two you cannot be seen because right. of what they believe right. you to be or what has happened they don't know exactly what's right. happening here they're right. frightened teenagers and whatever and I think in the in the recollection um, Nigella said the mud blood there in the forest said Dean because she mentions it because mm-hmm. Hermione was very careful to be um, because he said he found that information out only accidentally because I think the bag was open at the time as he was leaving it was mentioned because she was very careful because they knew that he could go three places right he can go right. be in the office he can be in the hospital and he can be at the house and they removed and him from the oh. house so I didn't, I mean, like, I understand that that seems like a fair assessment y'all are making, but that I just read it as just being, oh, Snape was just, you know, like just the instructions that I was given. And, but I, what was most remarkable for me about the whole scenario was the whole dough that he was going to do something and had no idea what he was, he was being, do, what he was doing it for. 
that's what I thought was most remarkable when I found out the bit of the story later on. That she, you know, Dumbledore had given a rather bizarre mission, right? Put a sword, you know, give this sword to Harry, but don't give him the sword. He has to take the sword. But he can't take the sword from you directly because he might likely run the sword through you at the same time. So, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that we do find out that the reason they left was because they heard voices and it turns out that they that, that was Ron trying to find right. them. Yeah. Because they were constantly moving, and he had mentioned right. that whole scene. I mean, it was a touching, you know, reunion and everything. And it, like I said, this scene is very theatrical. Um, that you know, it looked spectacular on pages. It looked spectacular. It didn't look spectacular on TV. They film a lot of these TV shows so dark. Like, I'm like, I need a flashlight just to watch this scene. It was like <laughs> so cloudy, and it was yeah, yucky. Um, I'm still holding up hope that someone make this into an animation series where we can get more details and more action and, and you know, maybe much more spectacular, spectacular. But so we are off in this segment, basically, ladies. Yeah, but in our next chapter, they're back together. We're the trio into... is reunited. Yes, and, and they're renewed. Yes. Energy oh my pumping. Gosh. We're going to go see Xenophilius. Jesus. Love no, good. We're going to get into the Deathly Hallows. We're going to finally so know what the hell the Hallows are all about. <laughs> and let me just say, it gave me no clue. I was just like, okay, cute story. Mm, what? <laughs> but I had figured out, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. But um, we will um, get to that. Uh, you know, as we're discussing it, I'm, I'm surprised that... Um, some of these sort of like random thought that I had had, but you know, I went into reading these books. I treated them as I would treat detective novels or detective stories, constantly looking. Nothing is ever mentioned by random. So be very open your eyes really wide because very few things are ever randomly mentioned. So yeah. be, be on the lookout for things. I think this set me up in the first book, by the second book, I was like, oh, really? This is a pattern then. The third book, the fourth book, I was like, all right, girl, you're, you're catching me again. I'm going to be fully <laughs> I am ready. I've got exactly. my eyes peeled. What's that mean? What's that mean? Okay. Write this down. And check, I would check, go check, back check. to the And it also helped that whenever the new books came out, like Janina said, I would go back and read. So everything was sort of always fresh in my mind. Yes. Um, yes. So... That was one. I would say one of the reasons why I was just like, I knew in book five it couldn't have been James um, Lily was talking about, but I didn't know who it was. And just think, after all this time, and after how many reads and listens have we all had, we are still discovering new stuff. You know what I'm saying? That (laughs) is amazing. That's awesome. It it is so funny to to um, because I've never had detailed conversations about the books with anyone beyond like you know like random seeing the big highlights and whatever the case right we are going into the nitty-gritty and it is so curious and that's it's so um mind-blowing to me that you know that we are all reading the same thing and y'all are picking up on something that i'm just like oh my god like i totally did and deb i would forever be my mind is completely like blown when you said book two is the secret to the whole series. Nice. I'm just like, oh my god! Like, that oh shit. my god! Now I'm like, like oh, hello, lover. <laughs> it's just like, well, duh, idiot. I felt like Ron. I felt like Ron. <laughs> I felt like 
hand was the key in my hand the whole time. That mm. whole time, the key was in my hand. And oh I completely, God. like... And mind you, I reference. I was aware of all of the... Uh, all of the linkage that we spoke about when we did book two, mm-hmm. I picked up on all of them, but I never drew them all. I'd be like, oh, this is book two and book seven. This is it. This mm-hmm. is the Holy Grail. This is the Rosetta Stone. <laughs> I just never <laughs> put it well, together like, oh. We don't know what we're looking for. True. Yeah. But no, we even after I had read the books and everything, I had picked up on everything that we pointed out to be the connection, right? Mm-hmm. That nothing was so random. Even the snake iconography, right? Right. The big circus right. in whatever case may be. Right. I completely didn't think of just like, oh, random adventure. I always took the real adventure, the real things getting really serious and dark from book three onwards. Mm-hmm. I just took book one and book two as adventure stories. This is right. just the this is just the hors d'oeuvres for the main right. course. <laughs> you know what I mean? And boy, were they delicious. Exactly. Yeah. And boy, and boy was I wrong. <laughs> Yeah, we 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 meet all the things that can kill Horcruxes in, in book two. Oh man! <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that was fun. That was so much fun, and so it'll be wonderful to see what Luna's dad has been up to, and you know what he's. I get what... to know Luna's dad as if is he, is he really as crazy as Luna? Like we like where did Luna get this? And we're like, oh, we have to find out. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> okay, now we know. Yes. <laughs> Girl. But as always, this was lovely ladies. This was so exciting. So, so much, much fun. fun. I can't look I can't wait to look forward to episode number twenty nine when we get into finally the Deathly Hallows. Like we're Ooh. getting into the get to the, know what they are. Exactly. We're to meet the main course. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. That helps all the other Harry Potter fans out there find us. And also, let them also know that this is really the shit. This is the... And this is also really a tennis podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But given that the world of sport is on a major hiatus... We're a multitude of things. And the world is in pandemic, okay? Like, people ain't doing tennis. I know. That's that's why we're in the magical world of Hogwarts. Yes, we are. So, as always, ladies, mischief, mischief managed. managed.